seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. In this brief episode, I take my first stab at what will later become a series known as Nuanced. For the topic, we discuss indoctrination. Now, what I'm trying to establish in this discussion is, first of all, just a place where I can talk openly and freely and throw ideas back and forth to see if what I'm saying makes sense. Um, in this case, I have my co-host, the Minnesota Misanthrope, and after our two entertainment-based podcasts where we discuss uh, wrestlers from our childhood, um, we've built up what seems to be a, a well of camaraderie. So in the first episode where things sort of broke down and there was some mudslinging and then there were some bad feelings brought to the next couple episodes, let's say, uh, those have all been reversed and we're now in a comfortable place where we can discuss things together. We decide to bring that to the table in this episode and I think you'll see sort of an arc bending back towards what initially I wanted this podcast to be about. So we took a sort of a a tangent into the two episodes on wrestling where we focused more on entertainment and pop culture. And then now we sort of bend back to what I was hoping to do with this podcast initially, which was discuss, you know, philosophical ideas to, to discuss how we might do things like modify the Constitution or how we might define human rights or how we might think to make a more ethical and moral society? What are the basis of ethics and morality? Things like that. Well, in this episode, we discuss that and as it relates to the indoctrination of people in general. Again, this type of episode, the structure of this, where we're sort of just talking off the, you know, shooting from the hip, this led me to further conceptualize what I wanted to do with this podcast And I came up with a series called Nuanced. Now, Nuanced is going to be produced over the next few weeks as these first episodes in season one. I think right now I'm at 14. um, As I dump those onto the internet and you, the listener, digests them. Basically, what I'm trying to do is put out a dump so you guys can binge listen to the show as a way for me to buy time to turn episode one into also a YouTube uh, show, which requires some post-production modification. But it also buys me some time to further develop the podcast that I now see is as my, my goal. See, in this early season, in, this early, in these early episodes, I really didn't know what I wanted. I knew I had interests and I had ideas, but I didn't know how I wanted this podcast to take shape. I didn't know what the end product was going to be. And now, 
I have a much clearer vision. And this is just a taste of what you're going to get in what will turn out to be season three of this podcast in a series I'm going to be calling Nuanced. I hope you enjoy the conversation. It is brief. Just something for you guys to think about. And hopefully, wherever you're, wherever you're getting this podcast, hopefully you decide to leave some comments. Thank you again for listening to Ear Seduction. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my co-host, Mr. Monocane himself, Minnesota's own, the Midwest misanthrope. Um, I thought about, this was my second rant. This was sort of the second rant that I was going to go on, and it might be interesting to just sort of explore it with you a little bit and see what you think, but I'm very much considering two two different ideas right now. The first idea is indoctrination, and I think that there should be some kind of pushback against indoctrination, and maybe even to the legal uh, level. I I think that in 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 some ways, indoctrinating people, especially children, is something that could be considered against our constitutional rights as people. Okay. I mean. Children, this could be a legal matter for the reason that, you know, children have the right to be left alone, just like everybody else. They have the right to speak freely and think freely. I mean, speech is an extension of thought, and you have the right to be freed from religion and freedom of religion, meaning you can believe whatever religion you want to, but it's your choice. It's up to you to decide. And so when people indoctrinate other people, and let's not be, let's not beat around the bush, children are people. I, I think personhood starts at conception. I mean, I think you're a person in the womb. Okay. I, I don't think it changes the facts of abortion. And we can talk about that at another topic or whatever, but these are people we're talking about. And these people have rights and they have rights to not be inculcated with these ideas when, when it's, there's no option for them for any other point of view. There's no way for a child to keep an open mind. There's no way for a child to fight off this barrage of nonsense or barrage of moral teachings. I mean, however you want to phrase it, um, I, I'm not trying to equate those two phrases, but I'm just saying, however you want to say it, pushing those beliefs onto another person when they don't have the ability to to think clearly for themselves in the sense that they don't have a way to fight you off, they don't have an alternative. Yeah. I think that's I think that's immoral on one sense and unethical in another sense and illegal if you look at how our constitution is written. I mean, it the bill of rights and the constitution ensures that everybody has these rights, you know, bar none. It's that's the starting point and children deserve those same rights. So parents that, in, you know, indoctrinate their children, I think they're breaking the law. I think there's a case to be made. I don't know. I'm going to plant my flag there, and maybe there's pushback to that. But I think there's a case to be made for that, and I think it's valid. I, I want to see what the counter arguments would be so that I can further refine mine or, or abandon it altogether if it's false. What if the... Uh... Well, what if the Constitution is a contradiction, though, in that sense? Um, do you still use it as a... I'm not sure about the Bill of Rights, but isn't the Constitution the one that says that uh, people have the right to uh, freedom, you know, free speech and uh, practice which religion, whichever religion they so choose? Yes, it does. And... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I think it's an interesting argument because, or interesting position to have. I just, 
I'd like to see it play play out, not for the defensive religion, but it just kind of seems like it would be a it would be a position that might just go back and forth. I guess. How are those How are those two aspects of the Constitution contradictory? Or is that I, I think that's what you were trying to say. Yeah. Well, because if if there's if the child has the right to choose, how are you going to have the child not be influenced within the home of the family that's being raised that practices a religion? Well, yeah, the legality of of uh, enforcing the law, or, or I guess the the problem of enforcing the law is one that would have to be explored. I'm not sure exactly. I have some ideas on how that might be enforced, but I'm very curious to know what you meant by contradiction. When you were talking about a contradiction, what did you mean? The wording of the Constitution. I mean, I was I was saying I think the Constitution, uh, if you're using that as a, as a basis, within that material of having freedom of speech and the right to choose and then freedom to practice whichever religion that you so choose, I think, you know, the religion and the freedom of choice, um, I think, kind of contradicts itself. And that's both of those topics seem to be involved, as far as my memory goes, within the Constitution. So I think the, I think the Constitution would be, it, it has flaws to it with such topics that contradicts itself. I, I'm sorry, I just don't understand this contradiction that you're trying to draw. I don't understand the contradiction. If you're if you're raising if if you're a husband and wife, you practice Christianity. You have a child. You have that child uh, practice the religion that the parents have, right? Which is indoctrination. <laughs> the child doesn't choose to practice whatever religion it wants. So the cho- the parents are enforcing this religion or indoctrinating this child with this religion against that child's will. But it's their it's their right to practice their religion, right? Yeah, but it's not their right to force children to practice that religion. Those how, children have rights to practice whatever religion they want. Yeah, but how would that child be exposed to any other form of religion when the parents are the ones that are practicing it? They're, they're within their rights to practice that religion within the Constitution. Well, certainly their parents are, are within their rights to practice, but that practice ends at the, those individuals. So, for instance, a husband doesn't have the right to force their wife to be a certain religion and vice versa, but they don't have the right to force their neighbors and they certainly don't have the right to force their children. I don't know exactly how you fill that gap, how you expose the child to other religions. Maybe this is like a course that you teach in kindergarten or maybe it's something that you start early on. Okay. Maybe it's something that you start early on. There is a gap to be filled there. Maybe it's education. You know, we do it in schools or something like that. But other than legislation, like if you legislate a class that teaches this or whatever, other than legislation, and I'm not sure that this is a legal matter in that sense, the other route to getting this to take hold in society is, is just, is just a public or social change. I would, I would say it's analogous to the use of the word so we don't say the word we especially don't say it when we're pointing at somebody. We don't accuse somebody of being that, right? That's not something that we had to legislate. That's just something we decided as a group of people that we're not going to do. Now, not everybody, you know, adheres to this, but many, many, many people do. And many people that don't adhere to it publicly are chastised and there's a backlash. And, you know, I get it. I get why there's a backlash. I don't think we should restrict free speech. I think you can use the word you so desire. I don't think it should be outlawed. But I do think that if you use it, you should be prepared to hear what other people think about you using that word. 
Now, this type of activity, that type of social change is the same kind of social change we would need in this instance. But I do think that there is a legal reason to there's potentially a legal reason to get involved, meaning we should change the law or update the amend, maybe amend the Constitution or amend um, some other kind of law. Because, because those children are people. They have the right to choose whatever religion they want, and they have the right to be free from religion. So that's what that means, not have religion forced upon you, especially by the state in the case of the Constitution. But the amendments talk about the people. It talks about what your individual rights are, and that's where I think it belongs. Yeah. on the on the individual level. I mean, those individual children deserve the right to not have religion forced down their throat. Sure. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I, I understand. I, um, like you were saying, I, I don't think there's any way to be able to take a legal position with using the current version of the constitution. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's meant to be a loophole for both sides and the way it's worded. I don't think it'd be able to, that's just, that's just my, that's just my perspective when it comes to the topics that the Constitution, it, it supports both sides of it. It does not support the indoctrination of children or no. any other person by any other person. No, but it does say it's it's familiar territory. I mean, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm just there's there's I'm just saying like what I see the issue is, and I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. I'm just saying my position. If I was if I was a court of law, and if you brought up this does not support indoctrination, it you know it's I would simply fall back on families have the right to practice whichever religion they want, and you would say, well, the child has the right to choose, and then the court would say, well, yeah, that child can choose later on if they don't want to practice that religion and then you'd say well that's not giving them a good starting point they should be able to do the reversal and it, it would the court would fall back on the family has the right to practice whichever religion they so choose and if it's not your family you don't get to tell this other family how to raise their kids that's that's Based on the referral source that you're using, it doesn't support indoctrination, but it does support uh, people to have the right to practice their own religion. I'm just saying that's that's going to be the issue, and from my perspective, that would only be resolved with some type of amendment to the Constitution. And I understand exactly what you're saying now. Thank you. Um, it 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 uh, it does allow for the definition of practice your religion to include indoctrination. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't define it well enough. Right. The freedom from religion, I think, is implied to be from the state. So we keep a, a wall of separation between church and state. And I think that's kind of where that document resides as far as how it's applied. Now, the, the individual right is enforced in the community, and that's in the amendments. And, and that's I think this freedom from religion is in the amendments, too. So right. I, I still think it's possible that this kind of argument would be to further refine the definition of what those words mean. I think those words mean that you shouldn't be able to indoctrinate your children. That's what I think they mean. Sure. Yeah. But I would have to convince a lot of people. Yeah. And but at the, end ahead, of the day, at the end of the day, they, they'd be like, well, uh, because it would be a card that they would most likely lay, why are you trying to tell other families how to raise their kids? So why don't you focus on the family that you're raising and raise them whichever way that you so choose? Right. And I, I think that that would be, I think this is a false 
point to be made, but I do think that that would be very um, compelling to a, to a lot of people. I think it would be very compelling because now you start talking about, you know, well, what do you what do you and don't you teach your children and so on? And um, is it okay to just lie to your children or tell them things that aren't true? Or does that mean they can't believe in Santa Claus? Like you can't pretend that there's an elf on the shelf that moves around or whatever, you know, and like, where does it end? Right. Um, And I think, I think that's how the argument would probably unfold. Right. Yeah. And and, and I'm not, you know, I appreciate where you're coming from to the point to where I think it it makes a lot more sense to do things that way. I just, having the the devil's advocate of how society works or what I've been exposed to, just, you know, putting in the hypothetical or just putting in the idea that I think people would make this move after you made that move, you know. I think that's where they'd be coming from because, you know, you just, you see the way the family system works comes to people who are extremely religious and how they, you know, they just hammer that into the kid, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's just like, you know, maybe some of the kids dig it, but I know there's a lot of kids going, why do I have to dress up for this? Why are we going, you know, this sucks. What are we doing this Sunday morning? It's like, I don't even like church. And then you hear the parents like, of course you like church, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, maybe after a while, the kid starts to be like, hey, man, there's this hot chick from my school that dresses up, uh, gets all nice in her dress that I can stare at an eyeball fuck while I'm getting preached at with some comic book, you know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's just kind of the, the stereotypical evaluation of how people who practice, families that practice Christianity work a lot like Packer fans in Wisconsin. Well, and I... I mean, I understand the position, but I, I, I would just stress this is analogous to hitting children. There's a there's a lot of people that think that parents reserve the right to hit their children and discipline their children with physical uh, violence, right, or in some physical manner. Sure. Um, and I think that's a debate to be had, but I think ultimately physical violence is called assault legally, and it, it's it's not something that we tolerate as a people why does why does the physical why does physical violence all of a sudden become okay as long as the person is under a certain age and your relative like why does their rights all of a sudden become null just because they're under a certain age and your relative now i get that that breaks it down to an unemotional stance but i think that that's the stance we take with human rights i mean if your child runs into the street, you may be compelled to slap them across the face just to get the point across that you are not to run in the street. Your life was in danger. That's the emotional argument, right? And right. I get that. I get that impulse. I get that. I can't say that I wouldn't be compelled to do that. Um, I can say that upon further review of this type of moral dilemma and, and understanding the rights of those people, that it would not be okay or appropriate for me to do that, that there would be another route that I would have to take in order to stay consistent morally or or ethically. I do recognize the compulsion, but I still condemn it. The the idea, though, is I think it's analogous to that, and I think there's – well, we can end it there because I I think we have some other stuff to talk about. We've already been talking for an hour. We haven't even talked about our topic. Um, Yeah, I just like to chime Yeah, go ahead idea that's kind of making me um, once again selfishly kind of come to terms with a lot of things and how um, you know you see these families you see these lack thereof families you see these kids getting born um, and I do find it very the idea is this <laughs> uh, people who have 
you know, who reproduce doesn't necessarily mean that they're parenting material. Um, and the idea that you could salvage that is, you know, I think it's, it doesn't really connect with the, the issue that not everybody is supposed to be a parent. Um, it, they're still able to reproduce, but that doesn't mean that they're supposed to be a parent. And I think by that standard, that means that you can't necessarily teach some people to be a good parent. You know, maybe you can help them break certain habits. That's not necessarily going to make them a good parent. Um, good parents are probably the people that started out a certain way in their life, and then when they had a kid, a switch got flicked on, and that person changed into a parent. I think that there's a lot of people that don't have that switch, and you're not going to know that until that point, at least right now, whether or not that person is going to be a good parent. So when I see somebody, it is sad that there are a lot of people who are not good parents or that should have never been a parent, are parents. And that's tough to watch, but there's something to that that kind of, for me, it makes sense. To where now when I see that type of weird shit at like a Walmart when uh, the parent hits the kid, um, and then it depends on what the kid is doing, but then that action takes place. To me personally, it's just like, uh, yeah, that person just wasn't meant to, wasn't meant to be a parent. So that's that. I mean, child protection, initiate, whatever, but that's that's the um, that's what makes sense to me, at least. Yeah, I hear you. That there's always sort of a root cause, right? I mean, these are these are tertiary issues, but the root cause is you know people with bad ideas trying to interact in the world, even with the best intentions. Right. Um. So. You know, I hear you. I just, I don't yeah. know that we can do anything about that other than try to elevate people's minds. That's the second kind of social um, change that I was talking about when I was talking about, you know, there's legal change and then social change. The the social change is, is more what you're, I think, where you're looking right now, that some people shouldn't be parents. Well, those people have to self-identify and either not be parents or they have to become better parents. It's a social change. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, you know, if a person is a good parent, they, they can relate more to, you know, the, the tragedy which is occurring and everything, but, you know, it's just kinda, the ability to reproduce and the ability to parent are just, are, are obviously separate. And I just find it very fascinating when people are like, how can you, how can you beat your child? You know what I mean? How can you, how can you cause harm to your child? Or how can you sexually molest your child? But really at the end of the day is, well, because they're, they were never meant to be a parent. Um, they became one, but they were never supposed to be one. They, didn't, they, they don't have the characteristics or the attributes to be a good parent, and that's all that is. And, and then it's kind of like, oh, you know, it, it, looking for a deeper meaning than that, I think it, it, it still comes back to, you know, the reality of that. Man, just, you know, the people who are you, – you'd like to think – that a good parent is somebody who's able to to do the bare minimum. You also see parents who, you know, use their child as like a stepping off point, as like a status, you know, as like a uh, a symbol of growth on a on a life path, you know. Uh, you also see parents, and, and then at the end of the day, they don't really connect with their kid. They just kind of are like, well, this is what I was supposed to do in life. This was part of the checklist. You know what I mean? And, and a parent is... Uh, a good parent is obviously something that uh, tries to connect with their child and basically tries to keep it alive, and, and but have that ha- – they become this, this resource for the kid as they grow. 
And I think that even when it comes down to, you know, uh, there's the physical punishment, which is wrong. There's the sexual molestation, which is wrong. And there's also that whole psychological shit, too. Now, if you take these concepts and put it into the categories of, you know, evaluating how people are doing when it comes to parenting, you know, I think there's a huge percentage of people who are being great parents, but I think there's a really large percentage of people who are being really terrible parents. And, that just, and then it just comes down to, well, now the environment is, is uh, pressure, and the hope is that the kid is able to prosper and evolve with the environment that they're in, which is caused by pressure, and become, you know, uh, a normal human being. But, yeah, man, I think people get a card where it's like, oh, you're going to be such a good parent, or, you, should, you know, you should have kids, you'll be such a good parent. And um, I find it just very interesting that we as a society try to act like there's all these great parents out there, but yet we'll, we'll make that noise like, no, nice and loud, but we won't accept the fact that our species is flawed and there's a lot of bad parents out there. And in fact, that's not so rare. That's pretty fucking normal of how many bad parents there are out there. And it's not meant to be doom and gloom. I just think once people are able to recognize that that's the gamble, I think it makes more sense than trying to focus on individual instances. Um, yeah, that's my soapbox. One of the interesting things that it made me remind, it reminded me of though, and I hadn't thought about this in a couple of days, but I thought about this the other day. I was like, if I get to a certain point in my monthly income from passive investments, right, from real estate and other stuff, would it be cool to like adopt like an ex Al Qaeda kid or an ex Islamic State kid or just any kid that's under threat from the Middle East or North Africa or whatever. Because those are places where kids' rights are almost nil. I mean, I heard a story the other day, and this is, this is what really started me thinking of it. It was this person uh, in, I want to say it was Iran, um, tortured, raped, and killed his, his four-year-old daughter, or maybe it was his eight-year-old daughter or something like that, and received, and this is the number I do remember, received four months in prison and had to pay a fine and like it just got me thinking like how i, I don't know I, I don't know if that's like ego stroking or what but i thought about this i thought about this way i thought like how personally satisfying would it be to to like give one of those kids a home you know what i mean somebody that grows up in that like some iranian kid or some saudi arabian kid yeah no doubt you know what I mean? Like, what a what a what a change in worldview! What a total mind shift that would be for that kid. And if you got him young enough, if you got him like I don't know, I, I'm guessing I'd have to do the neuroscientific research and and see what you know neuroscience says about this. But if you got him young enough, let's just say four or three or something like that, or maybe even six or eight, you you could either completely reverse or at least give them the chance to be a normal operating person. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's the intentions for like a lot of immigration. Ear seduction.